guys and girls unpacking the rental explosion why it's happening where it's happening what is the solution stay tuned we'll talk about it right now Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mark? Good, thank you. Good, thank you, Mr. Silich. The rental explosion. Do you like my explosion in the background? <laughs> that is an explosion. You know what? It came out of nowhere um, because, you know, people were, you know, getting interest rates put up on them, um, you know, COVID. It's just we were working out our office Christmas party the last three years, four years, five years, and it's just been such a turbulent time for everyone. We had floods, we had fires, we had COVID. There's just been so much to it. And yep. when you look at that rental market, why have the rents increased like they are? Are they going to continue like they are? And mm. um, it's it does relate back to a couple of things. And one of the things we're going to talk about is relating back to the trend of being a landlord. And it's at the moment, yeah. it's a bit uncool, uncool to be a landlord. Well, that's the thing. And when you look at rents, like you said, there, the past five years, it's been extremely turbulent. Um, or say, we even more recently, just the past couple of years. Uh, but in saying that, before then, the past it seemed to be about eight years before that, it was relatively stagnant in terms of rents. It was completely the opposite. It really was just this very, very slow, steady, not much growth at all. And all of a sudden, it just exploded out of nowhere. Or well, it seemed to be out of nowhere. So, <clears throat> someone like, uh, like there's different metrics out there as well. One of the public statements I saw Meriton release was they're increasing their rents across the board. So, they're an apartment only uh, yeah. landlord. Uh, I think they're sitting on about three and a half to 4,000 apartments across um, Australia. Yeah. Um, and they're sitting, they've put a, they've, they've mandated a 23% increase um, across wow. their portfolio. So, a lot of landlords are asking us you know, how much should it be going up? What is the metric? And um, it, I, I am very sensitive about the topic as well because this is, um, it's tenants' lives and livelihood um, that we're talking about. And, and, you know, that if it goes up by 30 bucks a week or 50 or $100 a week, um, that can really change someone's livelihood. Um, and, you know, you sort of, you don't revel or embellish in the fact that the rents are going up. But then on the flip side, you've got landlords that have been impacted um, and and they rely on that income often. So, you know, we've got yeah. landlords that have worked their whole life to have a one-bedroom unit paid off. Uh, and yeah. then in their mind, that one-bedroom unit is going to is going to support them through their uh, retirement as, as yeah. majority of all or part of their income. And then that's been very hard you know, to, to, to hold those assets with costs and stuff like that. So it's it's a real sensitive topic today. Yeah, well, it's really delicate. And that's the thing with anyone that's renting a property and for our landlords as well, both mutually rely on each other. So as a landlord, you need, you need tenants obviously there to pay the rent to be able to hold on to the property. 
And as a tenant, you need a landlord because if there was no landlords, then there'll be no properties to rent. So both are heavily reliant on each other. And the nature of being what we have in Australia, which is a free market, the government doesn't dictate what rents are set at. It's the market that dictates it. It's landlords, it's tenants, it's what someone's willing to pay, it's what someone's willing to put the property up for lease for. And when you've got those free market flows, when there's these external influences such as interest rates, um, investors cashing out the market, land tax, all these things here, the amount of people wanting to move to a certain area, that's what pushes these rents up, up or down. Um, and that's the hardest thing because right now it's not like landlords are going, I'm putting up my rent on you unfairly so and the tenant goes, okay, well, I'm just going to go rent somewhere else. It's happening across the board. Rents are going up absolutely everywhere because tenants are pushing it. Um, it's the demand that's pushing it there and it's the supply on the other end, the lack of, uh, that's pushing it as well. Uh, so it's really interesting in terms of if you just let the market do what it's meant to do um, and we can see what's happening now, it's flying up, whether that means there needs to be intervention in between. But if you if there's government intervention, for example, and they want to stop, um, let's say rent is paying too much, well, you've got to be very careful because you've got to balance it on the other end of, okay, well, for the investors, are they going to be able to hold on to the properties? Well, and what does that mean for their holding costs? I want to talk more about that why in a second, but just if we pause it for a sec, um, I do have to take agents out of the equation a little bit. And this is such a sensitive topic that if an agent talks about property prices going up 20% in a year or 30% in a year for buyers of houses, buyers of apartments, they generally don't get shot you know, for, for renting and for selling a property more or for yeah. saying, look, the, the sales market is up, um, you know, you, you, you can sell your property for more, call me today. Yeah. Now, if a, if, a, if an agent does that um, call out to landlords, the sentiment's very, very different. And that's what we're finding now that I've seen a couple of agents absolutely nailed and crucified for talking up the rental market, promoting to their landlords that they should be getting more for their yeah. rental property. And it, does, it doesn't go down well. Mm. The reason why I think that is, is put simply, if you can afford to buy, this is, I think, my guess, the general sentiment out there. If you can afford to buy property, you're the rich guy out there, you're buying a property, you own the asset, therefore property is going up in prices. Yes, it hurts to buy it, but then you're going to make money on the other end versus the renters, the little guy. They're not benefiting at all from it. It's just making it harder for them to, to be able to pay their way through. And I think that's why the sentiment out there is a lot more, a lot more delicate around it. Morning. Good morning, Luke. Uh, good morning, Alain. Um, if rents don't go up, investors will need to sell. That's your cue. Boom. That's your that's your cue. Yeah. Well, okay, well, guys. On, the, on, and as part of our autopsy today, we've done some preparation on what's been trending in the last um, couple of years, even ten years. We we snapped back to. Can we bring that that, that graph up? Yep. Ready, guys. Okay, now, guys and girls, in the autopsy of rents and why is this happening, what is happening, what's caused this in the autopsy of rents going up, we've brought up this graph, which has been done by our friends at reaerealestate.com.au. Um, so these guys have graphed over a 10-year period, the black line. 
And I want to explain the black line. The black line is called investors purchased. Do you want to explain that, Mr. Silich? So what they're saying is it's a share of total sales to and by investors. So what this graph is showing on the investor purchase side is between July um, in 2013 to July 2022, the percentage of investors in the market that are purchasing properties has quite steadily decreased. So we've had about 25% in 2013. Now in 2022, it's dropped down to pretty close to 5%, about 6%, 7% there, which is a massive, massive drop. And on the flip side, so that's new investors buying into the market, which increases so, the Spot on. So if there's less investors buying, that means there's less in the rental pool. That means with scarcity, oh, yeah. you, you've got to pay more. You've got to pay more. If there's less apartments or and houses on the market, we're going to break that up in a second. You've got to mm. pay more. And then and let's the, talk about the, the red. Yeah. So on the flip side, we've got investors sold. And it's been pretty much, obviously, there's the small changes um, year on year, but it's pretty consistent. The trend is directly the opposite, where investors that were back in 2013, only about 6% of investors were releasing their properties. Um, now we're finding that's gone up to 25% by 2022. Okay, we have a lot of investors now not buying in the, into the market, and we have a lot of investors exiting the market. So it's a double whammy on both sides. It's a double whammy. Now, if you think that's an aggressive graph of, of, of them selling, you wait and see the next 12 months because yeah. at the moment, at, we had this discussion yesterday, we went and looked at seven properties uh, that are coming on the market this week with us. And of those seven, five of those were landlords disposing of their property. So I think when life gets a little bit tough for a, for a, uh, a family and a home, and they own an investment property, they will dispose of the investment property before they dispose of the family home. Correct. If you're disposing of the family home, that's again less properties in that rental pool in the marketplace, which then again leads to rental increases because less less out there. So this trend is getting uh, is 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 violent. It is, and and this is the thing like i'll go back to luke's comment here because it's pretty much the crux of it and we're not saying it's right or wrong but with these investors here because mainly driven by increased holding costs and what are these holding costs their interest rates their land tax which we've spoken about on other previous occasions because all these holding costs have gone up for an investor to be able to hold on to property that's what's pushed these rent these rentals up now if these rentals don't go up enough to a certain extent where an investor goes, I'm happy to hold on to this property. They're going to go sell their investment property. They're not going to go buy another investment property. And that dries up, and we're seeing it happen now, like Mark said, and it's drying up all the stock in the rental market, which is also then pushing up rents even higher. And it's this vicious cycle of like, wait, you need to put rents up to stop rents going up? That doesn't seem to make sense. But it's that del it's that really delicate balancing act where if an investor can't afford to hold on to the property, it's actually going to make it even worse for um, uh, for, for renters as well. And we've got to try and find that balance so that rents don't keep flying through the roof, but also that all the investors don't just cash out. We have no rental properties left. So I think uh, what people have to remember is it's a cycle. Um, and like any cycle... Uh, there's been a lot of incentive from first home buyers uh, mm. in the marketplace. 
um, there was a huge incentive for investors um, in the marketplace. But the problem was, is that that was 30 years ago. So when, when negative gearing was introduced, that was a huge uh, kick for the property investment market. And it was probably a big win for tenants because so many landlords were given were saying, you've got negative gearing now. Uh, so many landlords bought properties. That put a downward pressure on rents. That was great for tenants. Uh, yeah. Whereas we haven't had any landlord incentives for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, if anything, they've, if I, if I, if I started on it, I'd give you a list as long as my arm of how of how a landlord um, has had has been treated differently to the rest of the market. Look, just interest rates. Um, they would they interest rates used to be the same. If you borrowed a million dollars for investment or a million dollars for an owner occupied, well, now there's as much as one percent different in that interest rate. That's historically never happened. So yeah. land tax is another one. Um, now, Michael, you and I. Uh, before we finish, and if you've just tuned in, we're talking about un we're unpacking the the rental market at the moment, why this is happening, and and what's happened, and what potentially in the future. Can you explain houses and units for us? Because there is we're finding that houses are are, are trending differently to how units are trending with rental increases. Yeah. So what we're finding is a lot of these houses, especially entry level houses as well, especially on the Northern Beaches market, are growing drastically, even quicker than all the units are. And the main reason for that is land tax. So obviously, of course, you've got the interest rates for both unit and a house. But for a house owner and a landlord who owns a house, um, they are paying a lot more land tax. The land component of that property is much greater in a house than in a unit. And these guys are being stung the hardest where you can own one investment house on the Northern Beaches and be paying quite a bit of land tax versus you could own three invest, oh, sorry, one investment house versus you could own up to maybe potentially three investment units and be paying the same amount of land tax as it. And I think that's been one of the major factors pushing those rentals up on the those entry level houses because for some of these landlords here, they're paying hundreds of dollars a week extra just in land tax, as well as their mortgage repayments and the rest. So there's massive land tax incentives. And to give you an idea, a, a typical landlord of ours, um, well, I, 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 should, I, shouldn't be, I shouldn't be racial here, but I will be. You used to have, in our era, the Italians uh, were programmed and motivated and um, uh, it was just the thing you do. So they, you would put your kid into a house when they, when they were young um, you get them to buy something and rent it out. Uh, by the time you retired, you'd have two or three houses. Uh, a lot of Europeans did that. A lot of Europeans did that. Yeah. That trend's changed, which mm. means those properties are out of the rental pool. So say a, a, your land tax on a $2 million house in an area in our suburb is the same land tax bill as probably three apartments, which is five or $6 million of apartments. So you can yeah. have almost triple the amount of value of asset for the same amount of land tax. Now to bring that back to dollars so people understand, some of these landlords that have a house or two, say two, uh, would pay about $800 a week to 900, about eight or $900 a week, or they would pay on their second house $500 a week a year today for land tax 
And if you're renting the house for eight or nine hundred bucks, and you're paying five or six hundred bucks on land tax, you haven't even paid your interest bill yet, or your or your your um, or your other bills yeah. as well. It's just yeah, it doesn't stack up. It doesn't stack up to hold no. on to the property for investment. So, taking that back to what rentals has done, if you're, we're trying to understand why houses have increased so much in rent, it's just again back to that scarcity factor. Um, they're just yeah. less to, less less affordable to own. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, and I'm, like you said before, Mark, there's been no incentives given to investors over the past. It just seems to be the opposite over the past thirty years. And I think because it's just a bit to do. It's like why would you help the the landlord when it's the tenant that's struggling? But it's a flow on effect. You help. I, I think there should be incentives both out there for investors and for tenants to help both sides because both are relying on each other. And from what we've unpacked today if there's certain things that allow a landlord to not be, it be as expensive to hold on to the property, then it gets, it's a flow down effect pushing out of tenants as well. So I think it should be on both sides. So Michael, before we go, well, actually one more thing. Um, can we show the re can we show the regions of, um, of the effect because different regions have, be have been affected in different ways. Yes. So this is share of total sales by investors. So, what we're finding is regional Northern Territory, a lot in 2022, Darwin, a lot, Perth, a lot, Brisbane. So funnily enough, it just seems to be all the areas a bit more remote away from Sydney, because Sydney's a bit more in the consistent in the middle there, sitting around 25%. So this is dumping investment properties. This is yes. the dumping of investment properties. Dumping of investment properties means that more people are get, that rents are going to go higher, in the, particularly in those areas. So mm. Northern Territory has been dumping quite heavily. Darwin's been dumping quite heavily. Perth has been dumping. Um, regional Queensland, Brisbane, uh, Melbourne. Where's Sydney? There, Sydney's right. Okay, the last one. Yeah. Okay. It's really interesting. That's a show. That's it, guys. Hopefully that helps explain a little bit for everyone and a little bit more understanding around it because I think it's just – it's so blown up in the media that it's such a simplistic, straightforward thing of one side's bad, one side's good, or this is the problem. But there's so many layers to it, um, and I don't think there's one just simple solution to fix it. I think it's an ongoing thing that always needs to be worked on. And I reckon it's a cycle um, as well. So, yes, we need to put some incentives in place and that would be great to, to help with rents. But I think that it's just that cycle, the market, when when money gets expensive, this is what people do. Yeah, got to ride the wave. Brilliant. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. See ya. Thanks for watching. Bye.